Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aguilaro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. Recording with you live like we do here each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And, of course, we will be rebroadcast and distributed to all our various podcasting outlets and rebroadcast on Zingo TV, care of Blackjack TV uh, the next day. And we got a good show for you tonight. We are currently joined by Dave Hastings. Dave, how you doing tonight? Doing good, Mike. Doing good. How about yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. And, of course, we'll be joined by Eric Tressler in a matter of minutes here. We do have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, Dave, I don't know if you got a chance to see, but, you know, because we we had a lot to talk about in terms of the football, we had the the college football championship game that happened last night, and then in the middle of the afternoon, yesterday afternoon, the Astros, uh, the Major League Baseball announced the punishment for the Houston Astros, we never actually got together last night. We put together a little recap and reaction to all the punishment that came out there, at least as of yesterday. And then, of course, within an hour ago, uh, within the last hour, I would say, Alex Cora, the manager of the Boston Red Sox, who was implicated heavily in the Houston Astros scandal, it was announced that the Red Sox and Alex Cora have mutually agreed to part ways because Alex Cora is looking at a very big suspension. It's very possible he gets banned from baseball for life. So I think the best way to start is, uh, Dave, have you been keeping up on this whole situation? Um, yeah, uh, I think that I, you know, first and foremost, get wanted to give props to the Astros owner for, you know, firing both the manager and, you know, uh, the two, well, firing both of them just because I thought, you know what, at this point, like, I think that's a better look for the organization as a whole. Um, Boston and, uh, Cora got ahead of the game when it came down to what was going to do, uh, you know, (laughs) with their like what's going to end up happening anyway. So they just got ahead of that game. Mm-hmm. And then I, think, I think what's even crazier to think about is, you know, as the Met, it sounds like that there's rumors that the Mets could possibly be doing the same thing and having talks with Carlos Beltran as he's another one that could be facing some type of penalty or, you know, problem from this situation. And I mean, it's, it's a smear on baseball. It's not a good look. And, you know, you always want to think that people that win a championship earn it and do it the right way. And this is something that really takes away from the success that you've seen them have. Mm, yeah. The Beltran thing is interesting because we got into that last night. And I know Eric feels that Beltran should be uh, punished because he was named as one of the ringleaders with Cora. My whole thing is, yes, he was named as a ringleader. It looks like he was mentioned. I, I think I said during last night's recording that um, he was mentioned one time. Um, having not looked at the full report myself, I guess he was named a number of times. But I'm still trying to figure out what exactly he did besides maybe come up with the idea that led to the whole thing. Because Cora, they broke it down pretty heavily what he was involved in, in terms of 
putting the plan in p- place, hiring a guy to help out, uh, decipher everything on the monitor and re and relay everything to the players. You know, there they was a basis for everything he was involved in. And it still seems more like they're using the broad term ringleader for Carlos Beltran. I personally would be, you know, Eric asked me flat out if I would fire Beltran, and I, I think it's way too close to the season. I think the Mets box themselves in. Leave it to the Mets to be walking down the street, find the biggest landmine possible, and put their foot right in it. Um, and if it was up to me, I would have parted ways with Beltran when his name was first rumored and mentioned as being part of this scandal back in November, because at least then you still had a number of candidates available. And now I just don't know what you're getting. But as I said last night, if tomorrow they announce that they're parting ways with Beltran, I'm okay with it. I, I am. <clears throat> and, you know, it's funny, and I, I want your reaction to this, because when this news came out, me and Eric were kind of, were on your bandwagon that we thought that the punishments were enough. Um, we thought that the Astros did what they had to do, parting ways with Lynch and Lunell, uh, the manager and the general manager, of course. Uh, Cora being let go by the Red Sox definitely makes sense. But in the in the last twenty four hours since this whole thing has come out, I've seen an ESPN article uh, talking about. Different major league executives who are barred from being allowed to talk about the punishment for the suspension. Apparently, the feeling is if other teams comment on this, they they face larger suspension than the Astros for getting involved in this, which is a little weird to me. Um, So it seems like teams feel that the Astros are kind of getting off a little easy because the owner isn't getting anything. And, well, we'll start there. What What do you think about that? Because it seems like you feel like the punishment is fitting, right? I mean, I do feel like the punishment, punishment is fitting, but if you told me they find ownership, you know, $500,000 or something like that, I wouldn't feel bad or think there was anything overboard about that either. Um, yeah. You know, because really when you think about it, like they say, it starts from the top down. And, yes, the owner hires these people to run the team, but you still hired these people. So, you know, when it's really said and done, I think they have a fair argument, a fair point. But I don't see MLB going back and, you know, increasing their punishment to go after the owner as well. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when it's all said and done, just like any other league, the owners, you know, are the decision makers. So I'm sure they had something to do with, you know, the penalties that were handed down. And I think the fact that they're not allowed to talk about it is a little overboard. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think silencing people from sharing their opinion is ever the best decision to make. Um, but, you know, that's if that's part of their agreement or that's part of uh, league rules and standards, and it's something that I guess they just have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, that part of it, you know, last night we were talking about the optics of the whole thing and how we thought everything that was handed down punishment-wise was kind of saving face on the optics. That part right there is bad optics, in my opinion. You handed down the punishment, you know, everyone was getting on Major League Baseball for only fining them $5 million, which is the most they can fine a team under baseball's constitution. And, you know, it's one of the largest suspensions I can ever remember for a front office member and a manager in that respect. They're fining them 
first and second round draft picks the next two years. They're docking them for that. Could they have limited the amount of money they spent in the international market? Yeah, absolutely. But I felt like those were justified, truthfully, what they did. And then you hear that, and it, you know, these, these, um, it seems like the sports commissioners can never really keep their foot out of it. They, their foot out of uh, the stink because they always have something like that going on. And then there's also backlash because they didn't um, pursue any action against any of the players because this was considered a player-driven thing. And the backlash I've heard is, you know, why are you um, suspending the general manager and the manager when you're admitting that it's more player-driven, even though at any job – if a boss knows that their employees are doing something wrong, immoral, or illegal, and they knew about it and did nothing about it, and those players and those employees get caught, the boss is responsible. So I get that, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, when it again, it kind of goes from the top down, and when it's you know, like where do you where do you stop like are you going to suspend half the roster are you going to suspend like key stars like you know they're talking about now you're talking about getting into an investigation that truly involves you know going player by player and trying to figure out who's the guilty party and who's not and i, I don't think yes. they want to let that much time take place in this investigation i think they want to try and get it over with and try to move mm -hmm. past it before yeah i mean we're only what a month and a half from the you know opening day well, pitchers and catchers would report, I would say, probably a month from now. I don't know the exact date, but, yeah, no, we're pretty close. We're pretty close to the start of the next season. And I think another bad optic and part of this is the fact that they offered the players immunity in exchange for their testimony. You know, it's pretty obvious they didn't want to go after the players. What you said, I, I tend to agree with that one, especially now that a lot of those players aren't with that team anymore and they're with other teams now. I get why you didn't go after the players, but whenever you're offering immunity to people that you know did something wrong in exchange for testimony, that's another bad optic. Well, yeah, but it's trying to get to the, you know, the best, the biggest uh, impact with the least amount of work. I mean, True. it's the same thing when cops are trying to find drug, you know, people that sell drugs or, you know, do other illegal things. You try to get the small guys which would be the players to rat out the bigger guys. And, you know, that would be your management and ownership. So, you know, it's the same kind of process that they probably, how they probably looked at it. And like I said, I, I think when it's all said and done, this is something they wanted to try and get over and done with and move on from. So this way they can just focus on the start of their new league year. True. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically all we'll go into it on that for, um, on that whole thing, because we have other things to talk about tonight. I tend to agree like what you said, but it's just, it's, it's funny how, you know, you look at things when something first comes out and then you take a look at the reactions 24 hours later. And I, I just wanted to bring up things that I had seen from people. And it'll be very interesting to see if the Mets do go forward without doing anything with the Beltran situation, because that's, that's going to be another bad optic. And again, leave it to the Mets to find a way to walk right into a scandal that they had absolutely nothing to do with. So that, well, that's I th just, I think, the, I think the biggest thing with the Beltran part is, you know, as the Met, as ownership for the Mets, you have to sit there and say, okay, you know, the Astros are obviously kind of the focal point of this. 
they they got rid. You know, yeah, their guys got suspended, but still, they fired them and moved on. The Red sure. Sox are like your next outlet for where this is coming from and how how this story continues to build. So they get ahead of the game. So if you're Mets ownership, like, and you're sitting here watching these other owners make these moves to do their best to protect their their business, you know, when we're being honest, that's really what it is. True. You know, are, is it better to sit back and hope that you don't take too much, you know, brunt force and not much happens to Beltron, if anything at all? Or do you try to be, you know, stay ahead of it like Boston did and just get it out of the way so it's not something that impacts your team going into a new year? I think that's that is- really what they got to consider. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with all those points there. And we are joined by Eric Tressler tonight. Eric, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry I'm late. I was just filming Antonio Brown's next video. Oh, where are you now? <laughs> <laughs> where are you now? How did that go? If you like that, if you like that first one, this second one's going to be a real doozy. I'm not oh, going to lie. I, I, I have not seen that video yet. I just heard about that. That whole situation, it's... I don't even it's, really know what to it's say sad, about it. Mike. It's sad. There's yeah. no other way to put it. We'll get into I, that in a minute. So what were we talking about? Let's finish up with the baseball and we can jump right into Antonio Brown and his nonsense. Because I got why? an interesting take. I heard it. I'm not going to take credit for it, but I heard it and it makes a ton of sense. So I want to bring that up. But before that, I'm guessing you guys are talking about Alex Gore getting canned before the sentencing even came down. That, and I was also getting uh, Dave's thought on the whole situation. We were talking about some of the different perspectives that have emerged over the last 24 hours since, and of course, since we did our uh, little reaction last night. Let me ask Dave then, who's an impartial person who looks at this from an outside view, who looks at it, no strings attached to any team anywhere. Now that you've seen Lubman and or Lubman or Lunau and and Hinch get get suspended and canned. Now you see Cora getting canned before whatever suspension even comes down. Let me ask you: Do the Mets have to get rid of Beltran at this point? You were just talking about getting rid of Cora before the season starts. You can go in fresh. Everything else. Do the Mets need to follow suit? since Beltran seems to be a ringleader and is the only player mentioned in the entire report. Dave, what do you think? So I was actually just saying to Mike, I think if you're Mets ownership, you got to look at this one of two ways. Like let's sit back and see if our guy can get out of this, you know, clean, or let's be like Boston and get ahead of this and just move on and, you know, just go with somebody else going into the new league year. And to me, I just don't see how you sit back as a team that has really nothing to do with this entire scandal to begin with, how you could let one of the guys that are directly attached to it stay on your roster and and potentially put your team through the drama and the nonsense. So if it's me, I'm getting rid of Beltron. There's no reason he's done no nothing to make you say, oh, man, we got to keep him as a manager. Like, I get it, he's a former player, but come on. So me personally, I think you got to get rid of them. I think as a franchise, that's the smart move to, to make for the big picture. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you on that. But Eric, let me ask you a question here, because as you and I, I kind of tried to ask this last night, but I'm going to ask this again. He was named in the report. It looks like the idea for this was probably his, and Cora put it into place, and Cora. They have specifics in terms of what he did to put this plan in place. Other than coming up with the idea, 
What was Beltran specifically named with doing? So he was the inventor? Like, yes. You know, yes. Like anybody who invented anything ever, like you, your name is permanently attached to it. It's your idea. It's okay, your but you came, up, even though, you came up. Even though Cora executed it better, it's like the telephone. Alexander Graham Bell invented it. Everybody knows who invented it, but I can't tell you who made the first cell phone. <laughs> I can't tell you who made it better, who improved it, <laughs> but I can tell you who invented it. So that, but that's really all he did was he came up with the concept, though, right? Core is the yeah, one who put it in place. You know, Mike, I mean, if you really think about it, him coming up with the concept is just as bad, if not worse, than the act of actually doing it. Right. A lot of people think about doing bad things; they don't actually do them. And the people that do, hopefully, end up in jail. Okay, okay. Listen. Yeah, Eric, like I told you last night, he gets fired tomorrow. I'm not shedding any tears about it. I just I just wanted a little clarification here. If that and I can go with the idea, all right, he came up with the idea he should be punished. And I think and I mentioned this earlier and I'll say it again. The fact that they offered these players immunity in, state, in exchange for testimony and it looks like that's a large part of the reason why they got off. We talked about bad optics. That's a horrible optic. Of course, but again, now every single player, much like the steroid era, kind of put an asterisk on things. Guys from the Astros, guys from whatever they come out with with the Red Sox, are going to have asterisks. Guys like Mookie Betts, guys that guys that that are good players. Jose Altuve, who probably doesn't need this scandal to be a great player, who probably didn't need the extra bump that he might have gotten or may not have gotten from stealing the signs, but regardless, he's still labeled as a cheater. He is mm. now going to be labeled Jose Altuve cheater. That is the problem. He has wrecked his reputation. So even if the players get off scot-free as far as suspensions and fines, those players' reputations, in my mind, are just as tarnished as anybody who's accused of PEDs. If you're cheating I, the game, you're cheating the game. Regardless of which way you're cheating it, if you're cheating it, you're cheating it. I, I will not dispute you on that one. I, I totally concur with you on that. So, all right, let's move on, though, because um, we, we spent so a little Antonio bit of time. Brown? All right, you want to go with Antonio Brown? Let's do this real quick, because obviously we still have other things to talk about. Go well, ahead. I got an interesting take on it, and I want to see. I, I, can't, I can't claim it as my own, but I will so, say that I believe I was listening to Stephen A. Smith earlier earlier and he brought up a valid point so i got to bring it up here and something i didn't think about yesterday when i'm laughing at this video calling antonio brown an idiot but i think we may be able to if there if there's something down the line where he's suffering from some cte or something and he he's go he's literally losing his marbles i think everybody can go back and circle one play that hit vontes burfitt put on i was him. just thinking that if you want to go back to one singular point in time of what might have scrambled Antonio Brown's eggs, that is it. And that makes a ton of sense to me. Now I can tell you, if that's the case, that turns this from being a laughing matter of look at this fool, look at what he's doing, how is he throwing his life away, to wow, this is sad, and we may end up seeing something tragic happen after it because I'll tell you what, he is weird, he is wild, and I got to be honest, uh, the way he was screaming at his baby mama and his kids and whatever, it's a scary situation, and 
you know, you hope that these other guys like that had the CT and whatever, they only harm themselves. You hope that maybe his violent tendencies right now, he doesn't take out on those kids or that woman. And that's what I hope. I hope they stay far away because this situation's not getting any good. So I want to get your guys' opinion on it. Because at, my, at first, mine was complete laughter. I was like, look at this clown. But now the more I think about it and the more I hear about it and, and I, I think back about how vicious that hit was, I, well, I, there could be something to it. Well, I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking of one incident that did end in tragic violence. And I think if I say the name Chris Benoit, we all know what I'm talking about here. Who he, uh, uh, Not a wrestler, uh, not a... Um, football player, but a former wrestler who, of course, uh, killed his wife and son before taking his own life. So there's definitely instances where tragic things do happen like that. And you just hope something like that doesn't happen. Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of relate with what Eric was saying, where, like, I kind of like that this is, wow, what a laughing stock. This guy's, a, you know, he lost his shit. He's just an idiot, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I actually saw somebody put that same thing up on Twitter where, like, they showed that hit and you're just, you were, I remember, I mean, we probably all remember seeing that hit. Like, mm -hmm. that was, that was vicious and brutal. And the hit like that is exactly why, you know, you see so many of these guys retiring at a young age. Like, just in case you guys didn't hear, Luke Keekley actually just announced his retirement at the age of 28 years old. Yeah. Um, that seemed inevitable tonight. Well, yeah, but like he was, hurt. He was had, a little injured. His, yeah, he's had his concussion issues and things like that. So, like, you know, I just think that, you know, for the entertainment value it may provide in the moment, you got to definitely make sure you take a step back and realize that this could be nothing of the actual person that he is and, you know, caused by damage that have happened that has happened to him from playing football and, you know, potential CTE symptoms and, you know, like you said, you just hope it doesn't lead to something that's worse. I mean, the way he was talking in front of the, his baby mama and the kids and even with, you know, six police officers there. Like, I mean, that was that, you know, the more you take a step back and look at it from, from more of a human, just a normal, just a straight human perspective. Uh, it's scary and it's sad. And, you know, like Eric said, I, I, for the, I really hope, you know, immediately and right away the kids are not around that every day and i hope for himself he's, he can find help because he definitely needs it yeah yeah now i i don't really see too much to add to it other than what you guys said because i agree with well the there point. is one little side note to add to this because after the tirade it's come out since then that apparently the money that antonio brown had donated to the local pal yeah hollywood yeah. pal they went and returned his check, and they were like, "We don't want your money. Like, here, here's your money back. Your your donation is not good." It's just something you never you never hear that done. So that's crazy. No, but that's how. I mean, listen, he was saying some, some pretty terrible things, and they if he would have gotten arrested, I would have think I would have thought it was justified because you shouldn't just be outside in the streets screaming those things at police officers, at your kids, at you know. Hey, call. I hate. I keep calling her his baby mom, but you know, he, he just shouldn't be doing that. And the language he was using is just inappropriate on every level. Um, the language he was using towards the police was inappropriate on every level. 
and it, it, it's just sad. Like it, the more I think about it, the more the, the more it makes me sad. Like just because he, he was so, he could have and was such a great player, like could have been an all time great, and mm-hmm. instead has just lost his marbles. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Let's move on, though. I want to move to uh, something a, a little more uplifting, in my opinion. Um, before we move to the football games and the college championship game, I want to talk about the two head coaches that are going to be inducted into Canton and I'm the way sorry, it went. Well, wait a minute. 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 Johnson is getting in on two years with the Cowboys. And that's Come not and enough. Stop. Stop. No, 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 no. I disagree entirely. Let me say this first. I think the way it went down, with both Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson being surprised live on air by the head of the Pro Football Hall of Fame coming into the studio to announce that they were being inducted into Canton, I thought was that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen on both nice both their parts. I thought it was a great I thought it was a great moment, but they don't deserve it. And I totally disagree with you on both uh, both counts. I mean, we'll talk about Cower. I want to speak on Jimmy Johnson because you guys know I've been driving this train for a few years now. To say it's just on two years is asinine, in my opinion. He gets it for putting together one of the greatest rosters ever, in my opinion. A team for that two years? Coll- three years? For, for four years that won three championships. Okay, the third championship, we all know Barry Switzer was the head coach. That was Jimmy Johnson's team. And he gets it for one of the greatest trades in sports history, a trade that revolutionized the way things were done and made people actually think about draft picks as assets. It is a trade that has been emulated time and time again, but has never been replicated, the Herschel Walker trade. That is a trade in its execution led to the form of one of the greatest teams ever and I'm telling you right now every time you see a trade like um, uh, when St. Louis traded its number two pick uh, that became Robert Griffin III for the collection of draft picks they thought they were getting a Herschel Walker trade we've seen that type of trade happen over and over and over again and it never works out the same way that that trade did and that trade in my opinion revolutionize the way trades were made, in my opinion. And I definitely think he deserved to get in just off of that. And I told you this a couple years ago. He deserved to be in before uh, Jerry Jones, in my opinion. So I'll stand by that one. uh, Dave, I want to hear from you on this, though. I mean, look, all things considered, like what he did in Dallas, um, you know, definitely gives him – Hall of Fame credibility, but if you look at his overall coaching career in the NFL outside of Dallas, it was never anything special. What he did in college was pretty damn good, so I mean, but that really should have no effect on the actual um, Hall of Fame voting for the NFL. I think for the NFL, it's a combination of what he did in Dallas and then what he's been to, you know, help grow the sport and the broadcasting and you know, things along those lines. I think it's a combination of everything he's done, even outside of being a coach. Um, But how am I supposed to sit here and not say I I don't think Jimmy Johnson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, for the love of God, he's the only reason I've ever seen the Cowboys win a Super Bowl. Uh, And that that includes Barry Switzer's year coaching, because we all – there's not a Cowboy fan in this world that would say that that championship was because of Barry Switzer. So – um, yes. I think I think honestly, what this conversation, what this induction means, that it really the point it really brings up more than anything else 
was that the NFL decided to bring Jimmy Johnson into the Hall of Fame before Jerry Jones would put him into the Ring of Honor. And that just that's sad. I think yeah. that I think that's more of a story, uh, more than anything else. I mean, I, I really think that's that to me as a Cowboys fan is part about it that just bothers the hell out of me. Um, but yeah, I mean look, he's in there with his triplets now and they'll go down in history forever and more importantly, I just think it was cool how they did it on the two broadcasts with Cowher and Jimmy Johnson. I thought that was really cool. And, you know, it really kind of paints that picture for how much this means to these guys. Uh, mm-hmm. The emotion that they show, even on national television. And um, I think my favorite part, though, of the Jimmy Johnson was either the cutaways that they kept doing to Troy Aikman or yeah, how nice. freaking excited Terry Bradshaw was. Like, if you ever yeah. wondered if Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson were actual friends, that answered your question right then and there because Terry Bradshaw looked like he could have jumped through the ceiling. He was so excited for Jimmy Johnson. So, um, you know, those are the things about it. I'll remember. I kind of have to lean a little bit more towards Eric's opinion, though. Of really, he put together one of the greatest rosters that the NFL has seen that won three Super Bowls in four years. And outside of that, you really don't have much of a resume in the NFL. I say, listen, I've said before, I think it's enough in my opinion. What you said about Terry Bradshaw, as long as those two and Howie Long have been doing it on Fox and to see Cower with the guys on CBS, that, that was an amazing moment. That was a great moment. To me, it was 100% worth it just to see that. Then to go on Cower's reg- resume, 15 seasons as a head coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers, eight division wait, titles. We're not, we're not done with Jimmy Johnson yet. Well, wait a minute. Let me say this. We can keep it. Mike, you got to let Eric talk up on Jimmy but we Johnson. Know he, we know what he's going to say, though. But fine. Go ahead, Eric. Because you're not. You know I'm going to crap on Jimmy Johnson, but I'm, at least I'm going to give you facts and, and stats on why. He was five years as the, as the Cowboy coach. Do you know he actually had a better winning percentage when he was in the four years with Miami than he did in the five years he was with the Cowboys? Because he, he didn't inherit a team that he, he didn't inherit a, a team that was winning percentage. He had to rebuild the team. He got stuck with a team with no talent and had to rebuild the okay, team. Okay, but then, so who is he, Buck Showalter? So he's Buck yeah, I mean, Showalter. Eric, Eric I, I understand the stat you're trying to throw out, but his first year was 1-15 in 15 with a horrible team. And he traded Hold on, whoa. Yeah. Overall yeah. in Dallas, he went 44-36. and 36. Okay. 15 of those losses Overall. were from the first season. Yeah, so if you eliminated okay, so he was the first so- season, he's 43-21. and 21. Yeah, it's not Hall of Fame worthy. It's not the length. You want to tell me you're giving Mike Tomlin? You're getting. You're telling me you're inducting Mike Tomlin? I'm going to believe it. That man has never had a losing season. That man has done a lot with the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's one championship. He inherited Cower, a team from Bill Cower. Cower. That's why Cower gets a little more credibility for the Hall of Fame in my book than Jimmy Johnson gets. Because Jimmy Johnson coached for nine seasons. That's it. That's it. It's about the impact. It's not about the Tower length. Had 15. Tower had 15 and was in the playoffs 10 and won a Super Bowl. So I give Tower a little bit more of an edge. Now, don't get me wrong. It was a beautiful little ceremony they had. And, you know, it was nice that they got surprised on their shows and Tower Saturday and Jimmy Johnson. And it was true emotion. You're absolutely right. Seeing Bradshaw happy, seeing all these guys happy. Now I think everybody on the Fox broadcast I heard is a Hall of Famer now. Yes. Except, so, uh, I mean, except what's his name, McAfee? Uh, McAfee is, um, you know who I'm talking about. The, the, yeah, we're not the, worried about Yeah, him. okay, fair enough. 
anyway, but there's all the main guys: Strahan, Bradshaw, Gonzalez. You know, all these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was cool. That that was nice. I'm not taking anything away from the moment. I'm just saying, looking on the merits, I think it's the Hall of the very good. That, that to me, the NFL Hall of Fame is a weird thing because they have to induct a certain amount each year between four and six, and this and that, and they have to. They have weird rules, and everybody gets in, and I, I just don't, I don't love the way they do the NFL um, Hall of Fame voting. I just, just not a fan. I, I don't agree. I don't think there should be a mandatory amount of people that have to get in every year. I think it's weird. Um, and when it comes to Jimmy Johnson, I just don't think he has the resume. Cower has a little bit more of a resume, and that's what I'll say. I think Cower has more of a resume than Jimmy Johnson. That's all. Well, tell me about the trades. You can tell me about the broadcasting. And if you want to tell me he's getting in the Hall of Fame for broadcasting because he's been a broadcaster for 20 years. He only coached for nine. You want to tell me he's getting in for broadcasting and what he's done and for promoting the sport and whatever, I could buy that. You're telling me he's getting in it for his coaching credibility? I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm out on, on Jimmy Johnson as a coach. You want well, to tell me t- you're, getting, you're, getting, you're getting him and Cowher in on all the other merits on top of the coaching? Then that's one thing. But if it's just on coaching alone, then I, I'm not 100% sold. Again, it's need to me. It's not about the length. It's about the impact. And the impact is he created one of the greatest rosters oh, ever Jesus. assembled. Yeah, what? <laughs> See, it's not. Oh, oh, I heard that. Now you're you're an asshole. Anyway, anyway, your your little your little and yes, pun intended. Joke aside, it's about the impact here. He put together one of the greatest rosters ever assembled, made one of the greatest trades that will be emulated years and years after all of us are dead and buried and will never be able to be replicated the way it was. And, I, and to me, that's good enough. That's good enough. Because you could say Coward got a better resume, one championship as opposed to three teams that won the championship. And Dave, no, I, I, two. He was only there for two. That third, one, that third one is his. That third matter. one is his. It is his. It is his. It, is his. it was his roster. It was his team. There. Just like you consider Gruden's championship to be as much Tony Dungy's as it was his no, because he did it with his. Well, I do. I do. And the majority of people do too, Eric. Come on. That was Tony no. Dungy's roster. That was Tony Dungy's roster. That was his coaching staff. That's as much his championship as it is John Gruden's. And I'm saying... Cower, yes, longer career. Is he better coach than Jimmy Johnson? Years in Don't playoffs. know about. I'll say that. Ten out okay. of fifteen years. How one many cha- years did Jimmy champ- make him? How many championships? Goalie. How many championships? How many championships? He's got one championship. He's got and one. who's got more? And how who's often was Jimmy Johnson in the playoffs? How often was Jimmy Johnson in the playoffs? Basically, four his entire Johnson career, except for the when first season. There. Except for the That's first like season. That's like saying Eli Manning's better than uh, Tom Brady because he won two twice and had only been there twice, and Tom Brady's won. Four, four to nine times, you know what I mean? And at, like, one, yeah. and at one point, before this last run, people were trying to make that comparison, though. And you know that. You know that. Come on. I'm just saying. All right. We don't have a lot of time left here on this. Uh, Eric, you want to talk very briefly? we only got about five minutes left here. You want to talk very briefly about the college uh, uh, championship game last night? No, I mean, I'd, rather, I'd rather us just brush over that and the, and the games from last week because, I mean, uh, I think we, we all know that I called that Tennessee game biggest upset of the year. They took down and they did it by feeding Derrick Henry to bowl 30 times. 
But on top of that, going back to the national championship game last night, Joe Burrow's the real deal. He's going to be Cincinnati's next starting QB. Um, and and uh, the head coach, the head coach just got hired by Carol. So, sorry, Eric. I was going to say the head coach just got hired to be the offensive coordinator in Carolina. No, no, the passing game coordinator from. Uh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I, I apologize. I apologize. You are correct. Another Brady. You know, you know what I saw? I saw today that was really funny. Burrow contributed to sixty-four total touchdowns this year, whether rushing or passing. Andy Dalton in the last three seasons combined has thrown sixty-six touchdowns. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, that's how crazy it is. He's yeah, Andy's from Ohio. He was at Ohio State and transferred to LSU. He was he was he's an Ohio boy, so I mean he's going home kinda, so it'll be interesting to see him there with Cincy. Um going to the NFL games from the weekend though, uh Packers, Seahawks, pretty good game, I thought. Um I, I don't know. I, I get your guys' thoughts on the games on the weekend. I enjoyed actually the football this weekend. Oh, it was definitely a good weekend of football. I agree with that. Dave? Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the games this weekend. I thought they were good. Some of the plays Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were able to combine on were insane. Uh, that The blowout at the beginning by Houston against Kansas City to then just crumble and literally get outscored 51-7 to for the remainder of the game after being up 24 nothing is just unbelievable. Um and I think Tennessee, like you said, ran it down, and they made uh, Lamar Jackson uncomfortable. And I still think Lamar's got a bright future ahead of him, but he's definitely got some growing to do as a you know a quarterback. Um, and then you know the what was what was the last game? I'm missing it. Um, at Houston, Kansas City, San Tennessee. Fran, San Fran, oh, uh, San, like San Fran, San Fran just were leaps and bounds better than Minnesota. That game's not even worth talking about. I mean, they just mm. dominated Minnesota. Yep. Yep. All right. So very quickly, we only got about two minutes left here. Let's look at the two games for this week. You got Green Bay taking on the 49ers. What did you guys do last week, by the way? Because I think I had a perfect 4-0 going into uh, this championship weekend. I think I went 2-2. Well, we, I went 3-1 and because ba- I picked Baltimore, KC, Green Bay, and for the 49ers. So I went three and one. Yeah, I picked Seattle and Baltimore, so I went two and two. Yep. And yes, congratulations, Eric, on four and zero. But let's do this real quick. Two minutes <laughs> left here. My first week all year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Green Bay taking on the Forty ers Who you guys got, Eric? Real quick. Um, I think the Forty ers defense is tough, but. I'm going to take the pack. I, I just trust in Aaron Rodgers. So I'm um, a little more than I do Garoppolo right now. Garoppolo, whatever his name is. All right, Dave. Yeah, I think, see, and I think that defensive front for San Francisco is just going to be too much for Green Bay's offensive line. So uh, I'm going to take San Fran. Yeah, I'm going with San Fran on that one, too. I think they're playing too good right now. Now, the most interesting game of the year Tennessee going into KC to take on the Chiefs. Dave, who you got? It's not the AFC Championship game I was hoping for. I wanted to watch Kansas City and Baltimore light it up, and I, yeah. I, I thought that would be a lot of fun. But seriously, Tennessee's earned my respect. I mean, hell, Derrick Henry now, I thought this was funny as hell, and since none of, none of us are Eagle fans, I'm just going to throw this out there. Derrick Henry officially now has more passing touchdowns in the playoffs than Carson Wentz does. I thought that's too freaking funny. Um, that's hysterical. 
and knowing that Carson Wentz is okay and it was just a, a slight concussion and he actually took himself out of the game, I, I don't feel bad saying that. So just want to throw that out there. Um, you know, Tennessee's that team, man. They remind me of that Giants team from 07 with that tenacious defense and pass rush and running the ball and just controlling the clock and the quarterback, you know, quarterback throws when they need to. Um, Dave, uh, apologies. We got about 30 seconds left. All right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to take Kansas city though. Okay. Eric. All that being said, as great as Derrick Henry's running, I'm, I'm going to take KC and okay. KC Green Bay old school Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to take KC, too. It's been a great run, though. It's been amazing to watch. I think Tennessee's got a bright future one way or another. All right, that's going to do it for us here tonight. I want to thank Dave Hastings and Eric Tressel for being here tonight. I am Mike Aglia-Loro, and we will see you all next week.